Christchurch, New Malden. Sunday the 13th of November 2022, 9.30 service. Katie Loveman speaking on Things Jesus Came to Bring Us. Peace. Well, when Jesus was born, he was hailed as the Prince of Peace. The message of the angels was peace on earth, goodwill to humanity. We often pray and sing about the peace that Jesus brings to our hearts today like we just have. And he said, blessed are the peacemakers, didn't he? But in our reading from Matthew just now, Jesus seems to contradict that. Verse 34, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. That's a bit of a contradiction. What did he mean? Well, one place we can look for an answer is the passage that Jesus is quoting. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. That's from Micah chapter 7, verse 6. Micah explains that turning families against each other is a sign of the arrival of the Messiah, the time when God will come to his people, a sign that God is doing something new. But the Messiah would be a divisive figure. Jesus' listeners would have recognised that reference to the prophecies of not just Micah, but other prophets like him as well. So by telling the disciples that he would bring this kind of conflict, Jesus was saying, don't be surprised if this happens to you, because this is who I am, the Messiah that you've been waiting for, bringing in a new kingdom. And not everyone can accept that. Jesus was establishing a new way of being God's people. But there were plenty that were quite happy with the old way, thank you very much. That put them in conflict, not only with Jesus, but with those who followed Jesus as well. But Jesus warns that our relationship with him is more important than even our relationship with our own family. Whoever loves father or mother, son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, he says in verse 37. But shouldn't we be aiming to be at one and at peace with other people? What about blessed are the peacemakers? Jesus is warning that following him causes division with others who don't want to live that way. And we must expect that sometimes. Have you ever been put under pressure not to do the right thing? Just to fit in, to keep the peace. It's hard and it can cause us to doubt ourselves. Can this really be the right thing if so many people are being upset by it? Sometimes it can make us unpopular and it can be a lonely thing. Jesus makes it clear that peace does not mean agreement at all costs. He didn't say, blessed are the peace lovers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, those who go out of their way to bring reconciliation. There's a huge temptation to do nothing or to go with the flow because we don't want to upset people. Jesus warns that doing the right thing will often bring conflict, but that's no reason to give up on doing the right thing. 
Alan Sugar in The Apprentice sometimes fires people if they haven't stood up for what they knew to be the right thing and they allowed themselves to be talked out of it. I'd hate to be on the other end of that pointing finger. But Jesus warns us that if we deny him by not doing what's right, he will deny us before God. And that will be an awful lot worse than being fired by Sir Alan. So it's important to make sure that we know what is the right thing. And the way we know that is to stay close to God, to read the Bible, pray for guidance, allow ourselves to be led by him. There are some people whose idea of right is different from God's. They don't listen to God, they don't accept his guidance and his wisdom from the Bible. They don't try to express God's love in their life. Instead, they try to figure it out for themselves. They try to make their own rules. And this puts them in conflict with God. Just as the Bible says the law causes sin, when people see the best way to behave, putting God first, loving their neighbours, living justly, they recognise that that demands self-restraint, forgiveness, unselfishness, perhaps to the point of self-sacrifice. And they don't want to do that. So they make their own judgments. Perhaps you've caught yourself saying this kind of thing. I deserve the best of everything right now, without regard for anyone else. It's okay to be a bit selfish. I deserve it. Or maybe you might say, I know that you're not supposed to steal, but I think it's okay to take my next-door neighbour's wheelie bin anyway because I saw them nudge my car when they were trying to park outside. It's like me thinking that it's fine to drive at 25 in a 30-mile-an-hour road at 10 o'clock at night when there's no other traffic and then getting a speeding ticket because I made my own judgment about what's right and what's wrong on that particular stretch of road. Consequence, a fine. I didn't think I was doing any harm by allowing my speed to creep over 20 on an empty road, even though it was against the law. My decision to make my own judgment about that stretch of road put me in conflict with the law, and the result was punishment. I won't be at peace with the Met Police until I've paid my dues and I've been forgiven. On the other hand, if I obey the law, I'd be perfectly at peace with the law. No conflict at all. I'd be perfectly calm if a policeman was to stop me for some reason. In the same way, we're not at peace with Jesus when we make judgments that go against what he's told us is right and wrong. The consequence of that is conflict with God. But the good news is that we can be restored to that peaceful relationship by recognising what we've done, bringing it to him and being forgiven. No fine, even. It's free. Jesus came to offer us the chance to make peace with God by making that forgiveness possible through his death. That was the message of the angels, peace with God. Let's accept peace with God. Why would you not?
But when Jesus says, I have not come to bring peace but a sword, it sounds like he means something more purposeful than the natural conflict or even persecution caused by people disagreeing. Well, he's talking about his own conflict with evil. We know that at his death, he defeated evil. That was the purpose of his coming to earth. He came to earth specifically to confront evil, defeat it, and establish God's rule over the earth, God's kingdom. Jesus came not to start a war, but to finish it. The cosmic battle that had been going on since before we were even created. His arrival on earth was a massive threat to all the powers of evil, both spiritual and human, great and small. And we see that throughout his ministry, he challenges people who were abusing their positions of power for their own ends. And he confronts evil spirits directly. They know who he is and they feel his authority and they realize that it means their time is up. The spirits leave at his command. The Bible tells us a little bit about the power of evil and Stephen talked about that last week when he was talking about Halloween. And the Bible acknowledges that evil is powerful. It's sometimes personified as Satan or the devil. We're not told much about it or how it works, but one thing we do know is that it's in conflict with God. The power of evil against the God of love. Evil is not strong enough to attack God directly, but what it can do is attack what God loves, and that's his creation and his people. That's why we experience suffering and evil in the world and in our lives. The powers of evil know how much God cares about his creation, so they try to destroy it. That's why we have wars. Take Ukraine. The thirst for power, the desperation for independence, maybe also the longing for revenge. This is just the latest manifestation of conflicts that have been going on in one form or another since human societies were first created. It's evil inflicting itself on our world, using our world as its battlefield. This Remembrance Day, we think of those who've gone to war trying to defend their country from that evil and pave the way for peace, but it never seems to last. Vyacheslav Konoval is a Ukrainian poet living in Kiev. And he wrote a poem recently called Hot Trenches. He's a war poet in a similar tradition to the British war poets of the First World War, the bloggers of their day, telling it how they see it. Hot Trenches. June's tiring heat is here. Thirst torments every minute. In the summer, salty sweat felt, squatting in trenches. The battle doesn't inspire. Russian generals chase soldiers. They look and act like flocks. Soldiers wandering weakly across the field, drowning in a massacre. They are deeply in shock. The projectile pulls up the ground from under strong Ukrainian feet. The defender is bent low, being machine gun sheltered. Military armada strikes with the summer heat. 
So when Jesus came to earth, his mission was to confront evil and destroy it forever. To destroy its power over creation. That's the sword that he came to bring. He was referring to his campaign against evil. The evil of oppression, which was symbolised by the Jews being conquered and oppressed by the Romans. The evil of injustice, which showed itself in that exploitative and unequal society. The evil of unnecessary barriers between God and his people. And we see that in the warped religion being taught by the chief priests and the Pharisees. And the universal evil of suffering, illness and poverty, which Jesus attacks every time he heals someone or feeds the crowd. When Jesus came to earth, he deliberately came into a society full of all kinds of evil. When we see him confronting it and doing miracles, those are battles in the conflict that he's taking on as he establishes his kingdom instead, announcing his authority over evil and liberating people and territory from his grip, step by step moving forward, little by little taking ground. The sword that Jesus used was the sword of the Spirit, his powerful word that not only commanded the world into being, but stilled storms, restored sight, and destroyed demons. That's the kind of sword that Jesus brings, a sword to defeat evil. And of course, all of these battles throughout his ministry led up to his final battle on the cross. There, the sword that Jesus wielded to defeat evil was his overpowering goodness, made up of sacrificial love, searing truth, uncompromising justice. That's the kind of sword he came to bring. And that's actually quite scary for people on the wrong side of the conflict. We want to make sure that we are on God's side, working with Jesus to bring more love, more truth, more justice into the world. If we don't, we put ourselves in conflict with God, and that's not a good place to be. But we can come over to his side at any time by making peace with him. Evil may try to tempt us away, but it's not strong enough to stop us from accepting Jesus and accepting Jesus' victory in our hearts, if that's what we choose. One day, that victory won by Jesus on the cross will be wholly visible everywhere, as evil will finally be taken over by the goodness of God, injustices put right, hate dissolved into love, lies abandoned in favour of truth, disagreements reconciled, and all illness and suffering healed. And that's the vision set out by Isaiah. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. If you're peacefully settled and sure about the future, you can plow a field with confidence of the harvest. When the peace of God reigns, then all conflicts are resolved not only between God and the powers of evil, not only between God and his creation, God and us, but also between human and human, between Russia and Ukraine. 
We won't need swords because we won't have war or conflict. That's the ultimate peace that Jesus brought because he defeated evil with a, not with a metal sword or even with a gun, but with his own weapons of love and justice and everlasting peace. <laughs>